Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Before I get into the message uh, this morning, I, I just as I was thinking about what I'm talking about this morning, it, it became so obvious to me this week. And it's probably something that we kind of know, but we need to be reminded of this so much because the world screams at us, the opposite is true. And you'll know what I mean when I tell you what I'm gonna say. When it comes to the work of the Spirit in our lives, this is really important. This is really important. Fruit comes before gifts. Fruit comes before gifts. It seems to me as I read Scripture, particularly the New Testament, that God is far more concerned with who you are becoming than the things you are doing. So often we get so obsessed with, God, what do you want me to do in this world? What job should I take? Who should I marry? Uh, what, what house should I buy? What suburb should I live in? Should I take that job promotion? All the stuff we do, and that's the stuff that the world says is most important. You are what you do. But God says... No, I'm far more concerned with who you're becoming. And in fact, I think He cares less than about what we do. Sometimes I reckon when we're agonising over the decision, do I go down this path or, or this path? God goes, I don't really care. My heart is who you're becoming. Fruit comes before gifts. Character is far more important than competence. If I have all of the gifts flowing through me, miracles left, right and centre. Imagine that, miracles happening every Sunday. If I have words of knowledge constantly flowing, before I preach, I stand up here and I pick four or five people by name and I say, here's what God's saying to you. And every time it was 100% accurate and there was weeping as the Spirit convicted you because of that word of knowledge. If I'm speaking in tongues, as much as I'm speaking in English from the front, with an interpreter, of course, If I'm preaching, teaching, prophesying, but have not love, Paul says, I am nothing. Nothing. And love, love, agape, love, is the first characteristic that comes to Paul's mind when he thinks of the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is what we're talking about today. And in some ways, I think we've got this series out of order because we've already talked about gifts. But fruit comes before gifts. And I would say even more strongly than that, fruit is what God's really interested in more than He is about our gifts. So we're talking about spiritual fruit today and maybe you've got a fridge magnet at home with all nine gifts, all nine characteristics, sorry, not gifts, contradict what I just said, uh, all nine characteristics of the fruit on that little fridge magnet, I think we can name them. It's something we learn in Sunday school. So it's something that's familiar. When I think of fruit, I think of my lemon tree at home. Sadly, my lemon tree at home is, as my family will attest, is really struggling. Even though I lived in Toowoomba for 10 years, my thumbs are still not green. uh, And uh, this lemon tree is really, really not well. You can tell that by looking at it. 
Um, you can tell when you get closer and notice that the key indicator of a lemon tree doing well is that there's no fruit on it like this. Uh, this is not my lemon tree at home. I wish it was. Uh, that lemon tree looks really nice. That is not my lemon tree at home. But as I stop and think about it, I, it's, it should be no surprise that my lemon tree is struggling because of the following reasons. The first reason is the soil that I planted it in. I, fa- I found out I had shared something in common with our senior pastor. We are both cheap when it comes to things in the garden. And we buy, rather than buying the expensive soil, the expensive potting mix, I tend to buy the second least expensive. So not the cheapest, and maybe that's where I differ from Jason Ellsmore, but I, I buy the second uh, most expensive, um, second least expensive, whatever, you know what I mean, uh, soil. And if you put a plant in that soil that's not good quality, well, what do you expect? What do you expect? The second reason this is not doing well is that I haven't positioned it really well in relation to the sun. So I don't think it gets the sun that it needs. And, and the problem at the moment is it's in such a flippin' huge pot. Like, you know how you can buy those half wine barrels? I've got it in that and it weighs a tonne to move. And despite my uh, wife's constant asking for it to be moved, I haven't yet got the help to be able to move it somewhere else. But it's not in a good position. It doesn't get the sun it needs in order to thrive. The next reason, uh, it has very often these huge, spiny, ugly looking caterpillars on it, devouring the leaves. And now I'm sure through whatever, I don't, some of you have greener thumbs than me, they've left some kind of disease. I don't, this doesn't sound right to me, but it seems like they've left some kind of disease on the plant. All the leaves are withering up uh, because they fear getting eaten by these caterpillars. I'm sure that is terribly inaccurate, but it's, good, it's a good story to tell. Is it true? Did I hear someone say it's true? No, it's not true? All right, well, I'm, I'm not preaching the Word yet. I'm just making up a story, okay? So, and when I see these caterpillars, I flick them off as much as I can. I don't like touching them because I don't want to get spiked by these fearsome... That, that, that one actually looks pretty cute. Imagine that with like spikes coming out everywhere. So all of this... Uh, well, you can tell by what I'm saying. The most important thing, the reason why my lemon tree is struggling is because I am such an ordinary gardener. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a terrible gardener and I'm not looking after it. I went to it yesterday because I was thinking about the lemon tree because I knew I was talking about it this morning and I got my secateurs out and I hacked off as many branches uh, as I saw had some kind of, and I don't know if that's gonna work to, for it to come back, but uh, I have no idea if I was doing the right thing or not, which you can probably tell already by my knowledge of all things horticultural. I have no clue what I'm doing. So I am a rubbish gardener. Four reasons, the soil, the sun, the bugs, and me being a rubbish gardener. Is it any surprise that my, fr- my lemon tree is fruitless? My sister-in-law has a lemon tree and hers looks more like the picture I showed you at the front. It's very fruitful. And I'm tempted often because I'm so competitive to go to the fruit shop and buy a bunch of the nicest looking lemons and take them over to her house. She lives a long way away at Greenbank, so she wouldn't know any different. Rock up and say, I thought I'd bring you some lemons from my lemon tree. (laughs) But that's not how fruit works. You can't take the fruit off someone else's tree and attach it to yours. No matter what you use, you can try pegs, you can try cable ties, you can try glue, you can try tape, and you can somehow connect it to the tree and say, look how fruitful my tree is, but that's, you and I know, and even I know this, that's not how fruit works. It's just what a fruit tree does, or at least should do, should grow fruit. 
It should produce fruit if the conditions are right. So this series has been exciting and terrifying all at the same time as we've simply prayed this ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit. And I I don't know what he's been saying to you. I know in conversations with some of you, this series has been quite powerful as God has answered that prayer uh, in ways that you've asked for or ways that have surprised you. I know for me, as I have been preparing the messages, but also in my own time and having some significant changes in my life this year, I feel like God has been so good. God has been so good. Nothing has happened as I've prayed this prayer that has freaked me out or scared me, made me question things. It's all been God's grace and love and kindness. But as we've worked through this series, we started with that idea and it's a bit of a theme for the year, come Holy Spirit. And I think what I love about this when I think of Gateway is it's this prayer because we go, we don't know what to do. The world has shifted so much. The things we did in the past that once worked probably aren't gonna work anymore. So we turn to you, the Holy Spirit, who knows all things, and we say, come Holy Spirit. And in our weakness and in our vulnerability, in our humility, we say, come Holy Spirit, empower us for what you are doing in this time. Because we we, we're not clever enough, we're not smart enough to know, we're not strategic enough to know the way forward. So come Holy Spirit. The second week of the series, Brad Case was here as I was celebrating my dad's 70th birthday party and he talked to us about who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not, he's not like impersonal. The Holy Spirit is a person. And then, and, and again, I remind you, I think we may have got this series out of order a little bit because then we went on to the gifts of the Spirit. And don't, don't hear me wrong when I say fruit becomes before, comes before gifts and, and God cares more about the fruit, the gifts, that He doesn't care about gifts and that we don't care about gifts. We wouldn't have put all the time into the podcast, into the, into the webpage for you to help, to help you discover your gift. But that's what we talked about. When the Spirit comes and fills us, there's a manifestation of the Spirit in each of us that Scripture calls a gift. And as we operate in that gift, the church benefits. The church is built up. People who are already in the church are encouraged and empowered and people outside the church are loved and served and may move from being outside to being inside as our spiritual gifts are exercised. And then last week, probably my favourite week, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I wanna pause on this one for a minute because there's something I didn't say last week that I wanna say that relates to what we're talking about today. I wanna give us a quick grammar lesson, okay? If I could, if you would let me. <laughs> uh, my grammar isn't perfect. There's some more uh, grammar experts in the room than me. But let me give you a little grammar lesson on this Greek word for filled, filled, as, it, as it's written in Scripture. So the Bible wasn't written in English. It wasn't written in ancient English with the vowels and the Vs. It was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, but there's a word here in Greek that Paul uses for filled. Let me, let me tell you a bit about this word. The tense of this word is present. So what this means is being, it's like a continuous imperative. Like it's not like be filled one time in history and then you're done. You know, it's like filling your car up with petrol. You need to keep doing it. You need to keep being filled up. It's a repeated action. It's a continuous thing. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's imperative. That's the other part of this tense. It's imperative. It's present and it's imperative. And what imperative means, it means it's the duty of the believer to put themselves in a position to say, fill me. 
So you're not, you're not the one with the power, but you are the one with the choice. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Like it's, it's on you, it's on me to ask for that. It's present, it's imperative, it's passive. This is implying that the Holy Spirit, He's the one who fills us. It's not us mustering up some energy. It's not mustering up enough uh, righteousness in order for the Spirit to come. It's the Spirit who says, I'm the one who's gonna come and fill you. Our role is to allow Him to do it. So it's present, it's imperative, it's passive, and it's plural. And so there's, there's like this collective dimension to being filled. It's, it's the responsibility of every Christian. It's not just the Spirit filling people is not just for the leadership of the church. It's not just for the superstar Christians. It's for every believer. This being filled with the Spirit is for everyone. So this word that we have in English, filled, it's pretty narrow, but in the Greek, it's expansive. And this is important. This is an important segue as we look together at the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, many people came forward asking to be prayed for, be filled with the Spirit. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible seeing, particularly, not limited to, but particularly the men in our church say, yeah, I need to be filled with the Spirit because I'm ordinary. I'm, if you were here last week, you'll understand. If you're not, you might think, what happened? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing. I need to be filled with the Spirit. And when I consider where the world's at right now, how much more do I need a Holy Spirit boldness? They come and fill me. They came last week and did that, but the grammar of this verb helps us to see that this is a repeated thing. It's a repeated thing. Like it's not, it's not something that maybe happens four or five times in our life. It's something that can happen daily. Every time we think about it, fill me, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me. Help me to grow in my hunger and thirst to be filled by the Spirit. So I was filled last week and I'll be filled again this week. I was filled yesterday and I wanna be filled again today. When we understand the Greek, this is what Paul is saying to us. And I think the reason he says this is because of what you know as well as I do, that there are things out in the world that offer and claim to quench our thirst and to satisfy our hunger. And those things may momentarily do that, like the food we eat. But we know that it's not long-term. It's not eternal. And as we've been praying this prayer, come Holy Spirit, and as we've been positioning ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, as we've been put, setting our hearts and minds on the things of the kingdom and on Jesus as our King saying, come send the Spirit into my heart. I reckon the things in the world vie for, to satisfy and to quench us, they haven't disappeared. In fact, I reckon for many of us, if not all of us, those things have actually ramped up and dialed up, going, the Holy Spirit, now nah, just leave that on Sunday. Like that's a Sunday experience. Don't worry about it in the world. Here's where you really get your, here's where you really get your satisfaction from. And as I've fasted from eating in the daylight and as I've fasted, I really tried hard to fast from TV. It's really hard when, there's a test match on between Australia and India. But as I've done that, that that's the thing, the, the dial of the world gets turned up. And come on, you, you, you know that you, you really get satisfaction from these things. You don't get it from God. He's not, he's not that, that much of a satisfier. He's not that much of a quencher. 
So the things of the world get dialed up on us. And so we need to continually be filled. We need to continually place ourselves, particularly when those triggers are happening, when we turn to the things of the world to say, come Holy Spirit, fill us again and again and again and again and again and bear good fruit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. One of those verses that if you've been in church for a while, you may be able to quote word for word. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the verse. Let me read to you the whole, of, not the whole, but a, a bit of the context in which this verse is written so we get a bit more of an idea of what's in Paul's mind as he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm gonna read Galatians chapter five, verses 16 to 26. If you wanna read along, it'll be on the screen as well. So I say, writes Paul, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And and think again about the things that offer to quench us, the things that offer to satisfy our hunger. These are the acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I encourage you to do a deep dive on some of those words because they seem like they're a bit ancient, like witchcraft, yeah, but that's not a problem for idolatry. I don't really worship other gods. Yeah, you do. (laughs) And, And you're tempted to. And these other gods are all around us. They've just got new clothes on to what they had on back then. Do a deep dive and see how much that we turn to these things for our hunger to be satisfied, for our thirst to be quenched. These things are all around us. Selfish ambition, come on, we don't need to get back in the heads of the first century church to know that selfish ambition, us making a name for ourselves in this world is a thing that we think will satisfy us when I'm known around here, when I have a place and people know who I am and what I'm doing, then, then I will be satisfied. Now these are the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Just wanna share some thoughts from this passage. Sort of take these, this verse that is so familiar, but when we understand it in the context, make some observations about what, what I think is going on here as we get to a point where we go, Holy Spirit, this is what we, where we're gonna land, Holy Spirit, fill me, come Holy Spirit and fill me and bear this fruit in my life. And I've got cards out here that relate to each one of the nine characteristics of the fruit and there's gonna be an opportunity for you later to come and grab one card or two cards, maybe even three. I don't think you should take them all. I think you should take three or less. And it's you saying, this is an area where I want that characteristic of the Holy Spirit fruit to grow in me. That's where we're landing, okay? Just so you know. Some observations from the passage. 
The first thing, and I've been really trying hard with my language because it's so easy to say, well, there's nine fruits. No, there's not nine fruits. There's one fruit with nine different characteristics. That's really important. And I think Paul here is again, trying to, trying to remind the Galatians and trying to remind us that the Spirit is one. Just like with the gifts, there's one, there's one Spirit who manifests in different ways, in different characteristics. Same with the fruit. There's not nine, they're not the nine fruits of the Spirit. Okay, so next time you hear it, say, ah, oh, I wanna correct you on that because it's, it's singular, not plural. There's one fruit with nine different characteristics. Spirit is one. It's one spirit who fills us and produces one fruit in our lives which has nine different characteristics. The next thing I think about as I, as I think about this word that Paul decided to use, and I think he was very, under the inspiration of the, of, of the Holy Spirit when he wrote this, chose a really good word, a really good word, fruit. Here's, here's the thing about the nature of fruit. We can't strive to produce it. If I'm a tree, I can't just grit my teeth as a tree, first of all, because trees don't have teeth. But if I did, I couldn't grit them enough and suddenly pop, there's a fruit. Awesome, look how good I am. Look at the fruit I produced. A plant doesn't do that. It's not about the strength, the inner strength of the plant. It's not, it's not about the plant going, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work really hard here. I'm gonna be really diligent. I've got, I've got the intelligence. I've got the cleverness. I've got the grit. I've got the determination. I've got the self-discipline to produce fruit. That's not how fruit works. If the conditions are right, the, the plant will produce the fruit. Because of the intrinsic DNA within inside that plant, it produces the fruit. This is the same with the fruit of the Spirit. You can't work hard to produce these characteristics in your life. These words are familiar to us. We, uh, patience. Who needs to be more patient? Can't everyone put their hand up? Because I'm losing my patience if you don't. We all need to be more patient. And so we look, we look at a word like patience and we go, yeah, I need to be more patient. One of the things I've been doing to be more patient um, is to deliberately choose if there's two lanes when I'm driving, I choose the one with the most cars on it. Because I inherited from my father an inclination towards road rage. <laughs> and if you drive with my dad, I'll be praying for your soul. Um, it's, a, it's a scary thing. But I'm trying to grow patience in my life. And, and in, in fact, that, that might be a good thing to do, but it's not how this works. And these things are not natural things that we can develop because we work harder at them. I'm gonna work harder to be kinder. I'm gonna work harder to be gooder. I'm gonna work harder to be more faithful. It doesn't work like that. It, these are fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit that is seeded within us. And that's the word that is used when we are filled with the Spirit. It's like a seed is planted and from that seed, these things grow. So they're supernatural, they're not natural. They're not things we can strive to work hard to manifest in our lives. It, it's in fact the real opposite thing. And I was saying to the team before the service started, it, it, when you compare Christianity to the other religions of the world, it almost seems like Christianity is cheating because you got help from someone who knows everything. Like if you took your phone into an exam and you said, hey, chat GPT, or if you, <laughs> or if you said, hey, Siri, what's the cosine of the tangent of whatever? They'd be able to tell you because they know, Siri knows everything. That'd be cheating. And it's like Christianity is like that because it's not right. I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to discipline myself to be more patient, to be more joyful, to be more loving, to be all these things in the hope God will love me, in the hope that I'll pass and somehow 
earn the favour of God. That's not Christianity. It's the opposite. God is all these things towards us. And when we understand that, we, we, we fall to our knees and we go, oh, I can't do it. I can't strive. This isn't about striving. This is about the Holy Spirit filling me and in intimate friendship and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we then live the lives that He wants us to live, not to be loved, but because we're loved. Christianity is cheating. There it is. That's the takeaway. It's not cheating at all. It's God's heart to want to be intimately involved in your life, filling you with the Holy Spirit. And that's how fruit works. You know, when you look around at things that are alive, growth is inevitable. Growth is inevitable. When, when I was in China uh, in 2014, we went and worked in an um, a, a, uh, orphanage. And there were, there were kids there who were like four and five years old, but they were, you could tell by looking at them four and five years old, but they still had the mentality and, they, and, the, and the posture and everything of an infant, like six months old. There was nothing wrong with them mentally. They just, they grew but they didn't grow under good conditions. Growth is inevitable, but the conditions determine the health of the growth. Because it's in every living thing, it's within its DNA to grow. But the conditions have to be right for healthy growth. But in, in saying that, in saying that we need to take care that the one who initiates spiritual growth in us and the one who sustains it and the one who makes it happen is the Holy Spirit. It's not us. We have a choice about the conditions, but we can't produce the growth. Here's how another bloke says it, probably a lot more succinct than me. He says in it, this is what smart people do, right? They say in one sentence what I've been trying to say for the last seven minutes. We've got that quote, Ezra. Believers are not called upon to summon up the strength within them for their new way of life is supernatural, stemming from the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Thomas. I couldn't have said it better myself and I didn't say it better myself. That is when it comes to fruit and Paul chose this word, that is what it is all about. And again, can I say it? God is more concerned with fruit than He is with gifts. I think then, and in, light of, in line with my opening illustration, I think about when I read this passage, okay, what are the conditions to thrive? What are the conditions to thrive? You can't will the fruit into being, you can't strive to do better at these things in the list, but you do have some control over the conditions. Where you are planted affects the fruit you produce. Let's think back to my opening illustration. The first part of, even though I said it last, the first and most important part of making sure healthy growth happens is your relationship with the gardener your relationship with the gardener. And Jesus, Jesus said, abide in me, remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Unless you abide in me, you'll fall to the ground and you'll be dead. We need to remain in Jesus. And there is a two-way relationship here. We don't strive to be good. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I will, I will graft you in to my vine, but we have a choice to stay there or not. And so our relationship with the gardener is the main thing, the most important thing. You're not accountable for your fruit production, but you do have a choice about how close you are with the gardener. 
Let's think about the soil. The soil, which is the first thing I spoke about. When I think of the soil that my lemon tree is in and how that soil is bad, I think of if we're to bear spiritual fruit, I reckon the soil that we're planted in is really important. And can I suggest that the soil in my metaphor is the church and the community that we're a part of, the community of faith. And you, you if you've been around churches for a while, and this isn't the first church you've been a part of, you know that some churches can be pretty ordinary soil to be planted in. Because there is a toxicity within some churches because people are there. If you go to a church without people, it's not a church. Church is where people are at and churches can be bad soil. I pray that Gateway Redlands and Gateway Baptist Church is not bad soil. It's not perfect soil, but it's not bad soil and it's certainly not toxic soil. But the church and the community that you plant yourself in, this community where we are called to love one another, the question is, are you planted here? And let, let me ask you more specifically, because I think this is, this is the best soil that you can plant in, is a life group. To do all the stuff in the one another's, the one another's that Scripture talk about, the best place to do that, this is, a, this is a good place, but the best place to do it is in a life group where you are life on life with other believers, other people who will be there for you, other people who will pray for you, who you'll be there for, who you pray for. If you're moving house, they come and help you. If you're sick, they cook you meals. They're the ones who know what your favourite song is. Uh, they're, the peop- they're your people. And, and you can't do that here. You do it with some, but you can't do it with everyone. The soil you plant in will determine how fruitful you are. And I reckon a life group, a healthy life group is good soil and you'll be fruitful when you're in good soil. The sun, the sun positioning yourself for maximum absorption of the nutrients that the sun provides, which I don't have my lemon tree in the best place. And I reckon as I, th- as I work this metaphor out, I reckon this, this is a good place to be to position yourself in the sun. There's something that happens when we're worshipping God. And I think this is, this is how I think of it. When we're worshipping God, we're being restoried. We're reminding ourselves of the story that we're a part of and we're absorbing the kingdom of God again. As we declare through song, sometimes it might be a bit ho-hum because we've sung this one a thousand times. It's getting a bit repetitive, but you know what repetition does is it solidifies the story. This is the story I'm part of. So as we worship together, and as we sing together, that's what's happening. And, and as we come to the pulpit and as we come to this moment, the, the Word of God is opened and talked about and that's another place to position yourself within the nutrients of the Son. And as we together love and serve one another in this context, we are positioning ourselves for growth. But I'd also say that the very opposite of this moment is a good place to position yourself as well. And that's when you're at home on your own with no one else around opening the Word of God, opening the Scriptures, praying, studying, meditating, saying, come Holy Spirit, worshipping, doing all the rhythms of grace that we talked about last year. So the gardener, the soil, the sun, and then the bugs, spiny, prickly caterpillars. I reckon in this metaphor, the, 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 the bugs are the things of the world that attach themselves to us that are eating away at our fruitfulness. It's the most depressing thing when you, when you see an apple tree or something and you go, that, look, I can see the apples are starting to, starting to grow. Look how these apples are gonna be, my, my dad has an apple orchid on his farm down in Victoria and, and there's, the apples start to come out, but guaranteed they won't be there for long because birds come and eat them all. It's the most depressing thing. You start growing fruit 
and these pests come along and destroy it all. And I think the things of the world, and Paul talks about these in that passage, that the things that we turn to that attach themselves to us, that infiltrate us and impact our fruitfulness. We we have a choice to flick them off. We have a choice. And again, as we position ourselves in the sun to see them and go, man, this thing is killing me, flick it off. This place I keep going back to, to be quenched, to be satisfied, flick it off. Because it's only you that give the sustenance that I need. And I wanna be fruitful. I don't want these things of the world to eat the fruit that you wanna grow in me. They're the conditions to thrive. I reckon there's three groups of fruit here too. One fruit, three groups of the characteristics of the fruit. And John Stott is really helpful here. This is how he sees it. Love, joy and peace go together. Forbearance, patience, kindness and goodness go together. And faithfulness, gentleness and self-control go together. He talks about these three, the love, joy and peace. These three groups of three. The first group, love, joy and peace is about my relationship with the gardener. It's about my relationship with God. And as that is good, love, joy and peace is produced in me. I know that I'm loved. I, know I have the love of the Father in my heart and so I love others. There's a joy that no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my circumstances are, there's an unmovable joy in me because I know I'm a child of God. I just know it. And there's nothing that can happen in this world that's gonna rob me of that joy. No suffering, no loss. That'll be painful, that'll hurt, but it won't rob me of my joy. And then peace, because I know that the most important peace, even if I'm in a war-torn nation, the peace that I have with God that, that Christ has worked for me, I know it. And it's there because this is the characteristic of the fruit that God is growing in me as my relationship with the gardener. The next group, forbearance, kindness and goodness. This is my relationship with the church, says Stott. And for me, it's the relationship with the soil. It's the soil we're planted in. Forbearance, like patience, kindness and goodness. It's how the Spirit outworks in, in me to others. I'm kind to people. I do good things, good deeds. And, and I'm, I'm patient with people. This is the supernatural outworking of the fruit of the Spirit at work in me as I relate to others, not just in the church, but outside as well, my relationship with other people. And then faithfulness, gentleness and self-control are my relationship with myself. These are the things that the fruit, the characteristics of the fruit are growing in me so I become more faithful and more gentle and more in control of myself so I don't flip out every time things go wrong. And this is about the relationship with the bugs. I'm flicking off the bugs as I'm growing in my faithfulness and in my gentleness and in myself control. So a good point, this is a good point to stop and ask if I want to be spiritual, spiritually fruitful, am I in the conditions that will cause fruit to grow in my life? How is my relationship with the gardener? Am I abiding in Christ? Am I growing in intimacy with my Father? Am I daily being filled by the Spirit? Am I planted in good soil? Am I in a life group? Or if I'm not in a life group, can I identify a small community of fellow believers who know me and who I know, who I can serve and they can serve me too? People who know how much this fruit is growing in your life. Accountability, serving one another, loving one another. Am I regularly positioned well in the sun? Is Sunday morning, the gathering of God's people here as a local expression, is that a priority for me? Am I positioning myself well? 
when I'm on my own, when no one else is around, am I positioning myself well to grow fruit that the Spirit wants to grow in me? And am I protected against bugs? Am I flicking off the bugs as I become aware of them? Am I aware of the areas of temptation in my life? Am I aware of the habitual sin, that I, the things I keep turning back to? Am I dealing with the bugs rather than letting them feed on my fruit? Where do you need growth? Which of these characters of the fruit do you need to grow in? As in this moment, the Spirit is starting to work on us as we think about those questions, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit at work in our hearts and in our minds, which of these nine characteristics of the fruit is the Spirit pressing on you? I'd love to give us a moment to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing and to, to lead this to lead this response and to keep me from rambling on for another 10 or 15 minutes. I've gone to one of my favourite theologians, Tim Keller, who goes through each of the nine characteristics and just writes a really succinct sentence or two about each of them. He talks about what, what the characteristic is and then he talks about what the opposite is and what the imitation is of that fruit. And what I would love for the Spirit to be doing as we go through these nine characteristics is pressing on you which area do I need to grow in? And as we get to the end of that, I'm gonna invite you to come out the front and I've got them from left to right, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm gonna invite you to come out at the time I will invite you to take a card that relates to what the Spirit is pressing on you about the fruit, the characteristic of the fruit that He wants to grow in you and take that home and use it as a prayer prompt for the week ahead. You can stick it on your mirror, you can stick it in your Bible, you can stick it in your 21 days of prayer guidebook. Uh, you can put it somewhere where you will see each day so you can pray, come Holy Spirit, fill me and help me to grow in this fruit. So here we go. I'm gonna put each one up on the screen and we just, I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna leave 30 seconds of silence just for you to meditate on it and say, is this the one Holy Spirit that you want to press on me today? Go with love. This is agape, it's the Greek word, which means love. It means to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what the person brings you. Its opposite is fear, self-protection and abusing people. Its counterfeit, a fake version, is selfish affection, where you are attracted to someone and treat them well because of how they make you feel about yourself. Next one, joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Kara, joy. A delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who He is. Its opposite is hopelessness or despair and its counterfeit is an elation that is based on experiencing blessings, not the blesser, causing mood swings based on circumstances.
fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace. Irene, meaning a confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than in your own. It replaces anxiety and worry. The fake version of peace is indifference, apathy, not caring about something. You think you have peace, but actually you're just not caring about much. fruit of the Spirit is forbearance or patience, an ability to face trouble without blowing up or hitting out. Its opposite is resentment toward God and others, and its counterfeits are cynicism or lack of care, thinking this is too small to care about. fruit of the Spirit is kindness, kindness, which is an ability to serve others practically in a way which makes me vulnerable, which comes from having a deep inner security. Its opposite is envy, which makes me unable to rejoice in another's joy. And its fake alternative is manipulative good deeds, doing good for others so I can congratulate myself and feel I am good enough for others or for God. fruit of the Spirit is goodness, integrity, being the same person in every situation rather than a phony or a hypocrite. This is not the same as being always truthful, but not always loving, getting things off your chest just to make yourself feel or look better. fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, loyalty, courage, to be utterly reliable and true to your Word. Its opposite is to be an opportunist, a friend only in good times. And its counterfeit is to be loving but not truthful so that you are never willing to confront or challenge.
fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, humility, self-forgetfulness. The opposite is to be superior or self-absorbed. Humility is not the same as inferiority. Spirit is self-control, the ability to pursue the important over the urgent rather than to be always impulsive or uncontrolled. The slightly surprising counterfeit is a willpower which is based on pride, the need to feel in control. together church whatever characteristic of the fruit that God has put on your heart we've got a limited amount of cards here so if everyone got the same one we're going to have a problem maybe you want to grab one or two but as we start to sing this song when you're ready just move out the front and grab the card they start on this end and they move through the nine to that end love at one end self-control at the other When you're ready, come out and grab the card that relates to the characteristic that you feel the Holy Spirit wants to grow in you. And then take that card home and be praying through it in the week ahead. Thanks, Ben. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.